You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. Today's Fry It Up with Augustus Cho, we are talking growth. Specifically, my guest speaks about personal growth, resilience, and reinvention to support others to become a better versions of themselves. Sounds like we may be discussing epigenetics and neuroscience, which is one of my favorite topics. My guest was trained at the Mind Valley Master Certified Intuition Trainer Institution along with being a certified conscious business coach. And all of this will be unpacked as we go along to understand what they are. She's also a co-founder of It Doesn't Feel Like Work with her life partner, Paul. In keeping with, she coaches business owners and entrepreneurs wanting to build wealth and joy into business and life. What a concept. She has master's degree in communication disorders and sciences as a speech language pathologist with a specialty in emotional IQ and social IQ. And we'll break this down also as we go along. She is also the author of the following books, Ignite Your Life for Women, Ignite Your Life for Conscious Leaders, Five Steps to Thrive. Reveal Any Crisis as an, as an Opportunity, published in 2013, and also Shift Disruptions into Joyful Resilience. With that, the Fry It Up podcast welcomes Carol Benson. How are you, Carol? I'm wonderful. How are you today? Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. I'm doing well. And what's the, California, what's the weather like in California today? You know, it's it's kind of, we're getting into, you never know in Northern California, we could have 90 degree days at this time of year, or we can have crisp fall days. We're having a crisp fall day today. What, that doesn't sound bad, right? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Were you close to any of those forest fires this summer? Um, no, because I'm right in the San Francisco Bay area, but we did get the smoke and awful air quality. So, I mean, we're so used to wearing masks anyways, right? right? But it was kind of when the air quality index goes up, it doesn't feel great, I have right. to say. But we were fortunate and nothing in the counties nearby me this year, you know, last year and a couple of years before there were. So, yeah, I mean, it seems very frightening when we see news of all these fires getting out of control. It's just kind of difficult. We're to all imagine. doing a lot of rain dancing, praying for rain. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> while, while you live in a beautiful area, it does have some of the hazards that comes with it, I guess. That's right. That's right. Now, let's, let's begin with a broad overview of what you do. 
Okay. So the question is, what is it that you wish to get across to your people that you're speaking to? Well, I discovered a natural formula, really, for activating joy. And everyone has these resources inside of them. My, my mission is to make it easy for people to have more joy in their life. I mean, as you know, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy tell, could be tell, tell us. Yeah, tell us. It could be like in the moment, looking at a beautiful painting or a favorite ant coming or a walk in nature. That brings many people joy. Nature is the go-to for joy. Um, happiness is more of a goal. I'll be happy when x happened so we're more goal focused in happiness joy is something that oftentimes in life those we can't clap we can't grasp onto those moments of how that feels but when you but when you can change your perspective from hard and overwhelmed and burnt out especially as an entrepreneur or a business leader, you, you shift it for yourself and you start seeing more opportunities to feel that inside of you. And I'm, I'm using the word feeling a lot because oftentimes in business, especially, you're here in your head, right? That to-do list that just keeps growing and growing and growing and it, it, you never feel like you accomplish much. So it's not here. It's using your your mind, your brain to say, oh, you know what? I really like looking out my window right now. And that gives you like a little boost of joy. And then you can go back to your screen or your call or your meeting. Eventually, we're we're going to have more live in-person meetings um, and groups. So that's pretty much what I do is to bring ease into your reality so that you model it for others, especially if you're in business, if you're a coach, if you run a team, all of that and more. What's your purpose in life? How are you continuing to grow yourself so that others begin getting curious? Like, what are you doing? Hey, what are you drinking every day? I want some of that, right? So you're saying that the difference between joy and happiness is not just semantics. You're actually trying to qualify the differences. Yes, yes. And, and joy is what you feel at the moment. And you're saying you're defining happiness as, as a goal. Is that right? It's, you know, oftentimes they're, because a lot of people would say, you know, they're the same thing, but you, you, in, you clearly differentiating. So I'm trying to figure out what that differentiation actually is. Yes. Well, there is, there is a, a, because I'm kind of a neuroscience research geek because of my background in communication disorders and sciences. I understand the brain. I also have had to, in my professional career, working as a speech language pathologist, understand how um, our thoughts, our anxieties, our fears trigger stress hormone release. And when that happens, 
you go into fight or flight or often freeze behavior. And that creates stress in the body. And over time, what does it do? It depletes your immune system. Um, little known fact. It also takes away some of your IQ points when you're in that stress response because of all the stress hormones firing off. So I don't know about you, but I choose to be clear headed. So I have all my mental resources that guide me, especially during all these times of uncertainty. Um, the brain has joy centers. There's a lot in positive psychology research that shows that when you have really great connections in your life, happiness goes up. When you have interest, when you have that social engagement, when you have something to look forward to, learning new skill, learning a new language, hobbies, anything that excites you raises up happiness and joy. So I work them together. I, I like to shift into joy because that by doing that, I'm appreciating what I have, even when it feels really hard. Does that answer your question, Augustus? Good enough. Good enough. So if the issue that you're addressing is personal growth and reinvention, what is the method to resolve that? Well, um, when I, my clients tell me this, and I've also noticed this in my own experience, that they somehow have more time. They have more energy, more vitality. They, they actually create more revenue for themselves, more cash flow, more opportunities to express what's going on inside of them, their unique expression into that outer expression of your career. And that also goes with all the purpose work. I think the bottom line is alignment. When you feel you have a balance between work and life, there's this natural alignment that just invigorates you from the inside out. And so those are just a few of the things. Um, better relationships, easier communication, even with challenging personalities. Anyone have challenging personalities? <laughs> right? You do. Not everyone is like us. And to learn to appreciate the differences, um, it, it's kind of like once you activate your awareness of where you can put joy in your life, um, I, I, I've identified five areas that you can do. Quick tips are, you know, start looking at these five areas. And it, it's, it's as if there's um, kind of an avalanche occurs of joy. And it just shows up once you turn it on. So you'll have it more frequently, not just every once in a while. Okay, so it sounds like, I'm sure you've heard of the book, The Secret, right? Of course. Right, so it sounds like very similar to the theme of The Secret, which is your state of mind. And somewhat like epigenetics and, and neuroscience, which is what basically Joe Dispenza espouses. Oh, yes. So do you ride that coattail and, and just use different uh, 
semantics to uh, encourage people development by using the concept of joy? I, I don't consciously ride anyone's coattail. You know, I feel like what has come to me is because people have asked me to share it with them. Um, yes, I've done a lot of learning in my life, but I, and I totally respect, I mean, Dr. Joe Dispenza is great. I love his work. There are many others who have been pioneers. And I look at, um, and the secret, you know, the thing about the secret is if you have a, a positive affirmation, you will grow into that, right? That's pretty much what it is. It's like, um, it's a miracle zone. I have learned from my own playing around in, in this realm of especially about creating goals for myself, um, future visioning. I step into a future vision of myself three years from now, wherever I am in the now. It's always three years ahead. And I see it as complete. Um, it may, I may not know how to get there. So what I do is I feel it. The emotions are so important because let's see, our, our brains are wired to go to the negative. So if you meet someone, for example, who reminds you of a bully way back in grade school, I can't find, I don't think there's a person out there that hasn't had someone teasing them, shaming them, bullying them, causing them to doubt their unique cap capabilities and their confidence and self-esteem that kind of fits you into this box of not being enough. And when you meet someone who reminds you of a person or composite of people who've shown up in your life where you felt hurt, where you felt disillusioned, disappointed, um, your brain automatically goes to that file and you make a comparison, a judgment. When you have awareness that, oh, I'm just meeting this person and there's something about them, you, that doesn't feel right to me, start investigating that. Ask yourself questions. What is this triggering in me that I'm having this reaction and this response? Um, once you do that, it's almost like you neutralize the negative and you begin to have curiosity to explore what, what, what kind of a connection or not? Is there a resonance with this new person that I don't know? That's not apparent to me on first appearances. And what that does is it actually does create new neural pathways in your brain for positivism. So once you start practicing that as a new habit, you don't automatically go to the negative judgment you start going more into the allowance and the curiosity of learning more of how you can create a win-win relationship with someone that's an example of it 
Right. And you're talking basically quantum fields, right? Um, I'm sorry, what? You're talking about quantum field. Oh, completely. Exactly. And it basically, uh, you know, belief change modification. That's right. Visualizing it and making it happen. Have you ever heard of right. Bruce Lipton? Of course. Okay. Okay. Because they both essentially think that way. And, you know, to make yep. it sure, you're saying that your state of mind affects your environment. Completely. Now, where does joy fall in, in your program? Well, okay. Here's, here's something all your listeners can try for themselves. When you wake up in the morning, if you are anyway, like I used to be way back when, when I was in the midst of losing our home, losing multi-million dollar businesses, just everything was falling apart. It's hard to sleep. Yeah, what, 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 tell us exactly. You, you mentioned that in, in other places. What happened exactly to your business? In uh, 2008, 9, and 10, there, you know, the economic decline in the United States with all the mortgages and the banks. Um, my, my, my husband and life partner, Paul, we got married in 2006. So I had a practice husband before him and we were so happy. We were traveling all over the world. We had lots of savings. You know, we were looking to buy rental properties for investments, the whole thing. And he, he one of his businesses was several million, million a year. And everything fell apart. And here we are going, what the heck is going on? We didn't expect to have this happen, but it did. And it was scary. And we learned very early on, like one night, I, because we were both up in the middle of the night, eyes wide open, heart racing, just so nervous. And I said, you know what? We have to figure out how to sleep. We have to figure out how to get rid of the stress out of our bodies so we can rest. So I started a habit for myself, and he also did, where when we wake up in the morning, you're in, um, there's different brain states. When you are in thinking mode, it's called the beta brain wave. And that's where you kind of have logic and planning and list and all of that. And the alpha state is right upon waking and it's also the time, it's a space in your brain that allows creativity, flow state, all of that, you go into alpha. And to preserve that state upon waking, instead of going right into the panic and fear of what wasn't completed the day before or what you have to do and get ready for that day, I wake up in the morning and I'm just quiet in that state. If I had a dream going on, I try to try to remember it. And I just look at my surroundings and I just do some uh, appreciations. Like I'm alive, my heart is beating. This bed is comfortable. I really don't want to get up and start working out, but I'm really excited to do that. And um, that sets me in motion to have a very deep inner foundation in myself. And that boosts resiliency 
it also boosts relaxation and calm and peacefulness, no matter what comes towards you during your day. And for the first hour and a half of my day, I do not pick up and look at my phone at all. I just don't even turn it on. Unless I have an early meeting, then I wanted to see if it was confirmed, but that's it. And I stay away from checking social media and I structure my day. Um, if, if any of your listeners are interested, Jim Quick is a great resource. He has a new, he has a book called, I believe it's called Limitless. Um, it's, it's really packed full of how to use your brain, how to nourish yourself, how to nurture yourself. Um, another resource is uh, Robin Sharma, the 5am club. He has a great information on how to create a morning practice for yourself among others. Um, but you can, I, I, I give myself that luxury of, I will meditate, I work out, and I sh- I change it up. I always do the cardio piece, the yoga, you know, stretching piece, weight training, and new learning. And of course, healthy, a healthy drink, or if I'm doing intermittent fasting, that's what, it's like a turnkey for joy for the rest of my day. And we will be right back after this important message. And we're back. So I'm going to presume that you lost your uh, business because of the bad economic times and that impacted your uh, personal life. And as a subsequent result, you and your husband, I suppose, wrote a book called Five Steps to Thrive, Reveal Any Crisis as an Opportunity. Tell us about that. What, What was going on in your head when you wrote that? It came about because Paul came home one day, um, you know, bankruptcy on one business, but started another one, of course, because he's a a successful serial entrepreneur and knows what he's doing. And we decided we're not just going to be survivors. He came home one day and he said, you know, we're happy in hell. How are we doing that? And because I'm very curious and I like to figure out how things work together, I researched it and said, mm-hmm, I think we're writing a book because there's a lot of people out there who haven't figured out some of the things that we have, or maybe they're, they don't have a partner that can champion them. So let's champion others with this work. So we, that came out in 2013. Um, what did you figure out? What? What did you figure out? Oh, well, we figured out part of it is you have to work from the inside out. Everything could look bleak on the outside, 
But when you have the resources inside, which we all do, but sometimes we forget to turn them on. You can figure out anything. When did I, you I don't look at anything as a problem. What? That's good. When did you realize that there was something inside you that you could figure these things out? And what was the impetus that triggered that for you to realize that? Oh, I, for me personally, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't like feeling out of control. I don't think any of us do. Um, I also don't like suffering and I'm one of, if you know the Enneagram, I'm one of those sevens. I'm an enthusiast. So if there's something that's a pain thing for me and it feels really awful, I want to get out as fast as I can. And the one way that I have found one of my talents, one of my traits is that I'm creative and I always can find another way. And so can anyone out there, really. This, this is. And what are some of the points that you write in the book that people can benefit from? Because you said five steps. So what are those five steps that people can take? Uh, okay. One point is um, we, we write about uh, one of the steps is to use all three of your brains. Now, we have a mind brain, we have a heart brain. So if anyone's familiar with heart coherence or heart math, that heart brain. We also have a belly brain, which is actually in the, when, you, in the, when you're in the gestational form as a fetus, the belly brain is formed before, first. It comes up first. And... You know that saying, I feel it in my gut. My stomach is turning. I'm sick to my stomach. This doesn't feel right. It's from the belly. And in, especially in Western cultures, oftentimes there's a split. We split off. We're in our head. We might feel it in our heart if we give ourselves that privilege and our emotions. But sometimes we forget to check in. Uh, I'll, a quick story is I noticed a lot in my life whenever I was anxious, fearful, scared, worried. I, it almost was like I forgot to breathe, to take a breath. And I felt this tension in my belly. Now I use that as a tool. When I feel that tension physically inside of me, so that goes with a piece of gain somatic awareness, I know that I'm not taking an action step forward, that I'm not using my mind brain to help me plan and strategize what's next. And then I check in, how does it feel? Does this feel right? And the only way I know is if I'm relaxed in my belly. If my muscles are tense or my breathing is not, you know, full enough, if I feel tension up here, then I know mm -mm, something is not in alignment for me. So there's more, there's a little bit of no that's preventing me from having a 100% yes on this. So that's a tool. Start being aware, 
of your three brains. Okay. And what that means for you, we're all different. Okay. Some people feel it first here and then they check in at the other two. Sure. I mean, I agree with the premise of your book, which is crisis as an opportunity. Every That's politician right. utilizes that. Every, they create crisis and then they use that as an opportunity to usurp the power. So that's political. And, and, and also people, if they're wise, recognize crisis as an opportunity to better themselves. So I do like that premise. Right. So I appreciate that. Uh, let's, let me uh, ask you about, you are certified as a conscious business coach. Yes. At, from Mind Valley Master Certified and Intuition Trainer. What can you talk about that? The Mind Valley Master Certified Institute. Well, I was trained as a conscious business coach, and then I was invited to be part of a pioneer group of trainers uh, almost four years ago through Mind Valley. So we were um, all trained. There was uh, thirty-seven of us initially. Um, doing trainings all over the world and talks. And, but because of the way the business model was, everyone's kind of gone off on their own to do sure. their own things. But I have to say the three years that I, it was active, it was accelerated learning. Okay. And it was just incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, in fact, I have a new book that'll be out soon yeah. called The Joy Code, yeah. Five Ways to Elevate Your Life with Brain Science. So. Yeah. We will, we'll cover that too. So you were actually certified as a conscious business coach before you went to Mind Valley. Is that? Yes. Okay. Let's talk, I want to talk about both of them. Um, what exactly is a conscious business coach <laughs> as opposed to business coach? What's the difference? Well, um, if any of your listeners have heard about conscious capitalism versus capitalism, um, in, the, in the training that I went through with humanities team, we not only look at people and the planet and purpose, but we also presence. How present are you with people? And um, it's, it's not a top-down leadership model. It's more of how can you help as a leader, a CEO, a manager of your teams to understand and make and take the time to get to know how each person working in your organization wants to grow some skills. Um, they're Wait, finding that with engagement within companies, so people don't, I mean, the data out there has been typically around 18 months, and then they, they start looking for their next job. That, that leaves a lot of money behind on the table because you have hiring. Well, first of all, you have recruiting, you have hiring, you have training, and then that person decides, no, not for me, or it's not a good fit for the team and they leave. So then you're back to square one again. So when you come and you approach business from a more conscious business standpoint, you're leveraging your time. You're not controlling every role. You're not doing every single role. You, you've developed yourself 
to not let your ego or your identity get in the way that no, it has to be my way. Now, everyone, they all have different models, but there's a framework and a credo within your business that anyone who says yes to working with you and you say yes to them is that you become their champion and they become yours. So there's loyalty because they're, they may want to learn X and maybe someone else is more proficient with X. So you create mentor relationships. You create that engagement, that excitement. And what happens is you get loyalty and really happy people who work for you. So it grows. And of course, revenue goes up, products goes up, everything. So it's a, just a different way to do business. Okay, so if you were to define it very simplistically, the difference between a, a regular business coach versus a conscious business coach, what would that be? Because any good business coach would do a number of those things, trying to mentor them, you know, to teach them and those right. things. So what is the conscious aspect that separates you, what you do that from uh, MBA business model? Other than it sounds more esoteric, but what is it? Well, there's some really good MBA programs right now that are looking at a different way to do business. Um, right. That, that's fine. And I'm trying to figure out yeah. what conscious business coach model is. Um, I think the first step is awareness. How does your behavior and attitude impact those around you? Do you... And it, do people feel fear when you walk into a room? Do they stop talking? They're afraid to be vulnerable and express their point of view. So you really want to look at awareness of what you say and what you do, mean what you say, um, be approachable, be real, be authentic. That's a big, that's a big piece of it. Show up. If you're having a bad day or you're worried about something, ask your team, hey, this is what's going on. And I'm thinking going in this direction is a really great, might be a good choice, but I'm open to feedback. It, it's just a whole different environment. Okay. All right. Uh, and that's us. not always encouraged in a traditional business. Well, I'm sure you're right. In some uh, organizations, it's very dictatorial and autocratic. But in other businesses, they may actually be practicing conscious uh, business model without even realizing it. Right. Well, my favorite form of business are working with entrepreneurs and business leaders who want to go into more of an influencer pioneer mode of making a difference on the planet. You know, not just making money. It can't, if it's just, I think that's a major difference. If you just are doing business to make money, you're not serving anybody, not the people you work for, not your local community, and certainly not global. So what is the reason for getting into business if it's not to make money? Ah, well, money is always part of it. If you're getting into business, you, you want to make a profit, of course, because that sustains your vision. 
if you don't have profit income coming in, it makes your vision less sustainable in the long term and you become more stressed out. So, so what is the reason for getting into business? <laughs> what is the reason getting in the business? Yeah, I mean, for me, not, personally, no, no, you, you said that getting into business for money is not yeah. the only reason. So, so what is the reason? Well, ideally, it's your purpose driven. And there's a lot about purpose. But when you when you look at your talent, I mean, what did you want to do? And how has that translated into the career that you've either conformed yourself to to fit in a box to be in that? And if you've gotten out of that box and started your own business, what boxes did you create for yourself? It's kind of like being a contortionist. What traits that are really your talent and your gifts are you not sharing in your business? And how, does, how can you bring it out there more into the world? Right. So it's a contribution. I, you right. know, it's like there's a generosity of spirit. And that's right. not being like airy, fairy, fluffy. Well, I, I don't know too many poor people. I don't know too many businesses that have failed that end up becoming philanthropists by giving money. Only philanthropists right. that I know are businesses that have been successful. So if your, your purpose is to make money and then you turn around, you can do other altruistic things. What's wrong with that? You make it sound like Nothing. if you go into business to make money, that's somehow evil. That's right. Not just a business coach model. So is it? You know, I, I'm not against making money at all because, you know, that we live in a society where that's part of the requirement to exist, really. And there's other people that might beg to different, you know, and get off the grid and just live simple. But I think if the only purpose is to make money, you're missing so much of the rich quality that you can have for a meaningful life. I agree, but you're presuming that people get into make money only. I mean, there, I'm sure people have a number of reasons for getting into business. You know, some of them is the challenge. The challenge of getting into a, open up a business is, is interesting. It's, it's difficult and daunting, as you know, because you know you're in business for yourself. That's right. But it's not necessarily bad, right? So no. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand if, if I have a, if I'm running a business and I want to hire a business coach mm -hmm. and I have two choices. One is traditional model of business coach who comes in, you know, like McKinsey, you know, corporate, they come in and they look at my numbers of my, you know, accounting books and the business approach, the model, the structure and the supply lines and those kind of things versus a conscious business coach. I still can't understand what conscious business coach offers that a regular business coach does not offer. Well, um, I know business coaches who specialize in the organizations, the systems of the business, uh, more of the day-to-day -day functioning structure, the role maps of the business. Uh, if you want to design your business to scale up and leverage your time as a founder. Um, a traditional business coach might be more of what you're looking for. If you want to take those things 
and bring it more on a personal level. Like what's going to fulfill you? What is your legacy of this business? Are you serving people in any way? Um, maybe you're burnt out doing business the way you've been doing it. Maybe it feels really hard and you're struggling and you're looking for a different way to create livelihood for yourself and others who work for your business. Okay, so um, what would that be? Give me a model of a different way as an alternative. What, what, what would it look like? I always look at, are you, are you including your own gifts, talents, and your purpose within your business? You know, uh, an example would be if I were put in a role in my business to analyze the books and to do the P&Ls and to create a marketing plan and strategy and all that and, and get everything working, um, that wouldn't be the best use of my talents better use of my talents would be, hey, I love marketing strategies, but I'm not going to implement them. I'm a creative idea person. I guess I'm, I'm a pioneer in that I can take all the information I know and find the gaps to elevate parts of the business that um, could do better. So that would be more conscious on my part, uh, I think another part of conscious business is really, I have used this in our conversation before, but you work on the inside and then you go out. Oftentimes, the way you hold things is reflective in the, in the stuck places in your business and it's not growing. Okay, give me an example of what you just said. You work from inside, it goes out. So tell, mm -hmm. give me a solid example of what you mean by that. Well, it could be your mindset, your, your perspectives. It could be um, you are working longer hours than you need to, thinking you're going to get more done. You know, that old attitude, the old beliefs. If I work hard, I'll be a success. That doesn't always work. Um, that doesn't guarantee success. But if you work smarter, that leads you more on a path of being successful. So you have to look at your beliefs, your opinions, your judgments, your inner critic, all those things that get in the way of you having meaningful growth and fulfillment in your life. Even your connections, your personal relationships, the time spent to have a lifestyle are impacted by how you are viewing your work. Okay, thank you. And we will be right back after this important message. Hi, my beautiful people. I just wanted to let you know about a book that's helped me save a lot of money. The book is called How to Buy in Today's Digital World, Tips for Those Who Want to Save a Buck. This book provides step-by-step -step tips on how to save money on your online purchases. It also instructs you on making smart financial decisions when buying groceries, booking flights and hotels, plus lots more. I hope you get a chance to get your copy. I think you'll love it. 
and I know you'll save some money. Available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And we're back. Let's move on to uh, uh, something you had already talked about in terms of Mind Valley Master Certification Institution Training. You said that your group of you are trained for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's the trainer that trained you, the group? And what was the process? And what it was, was the Vision, Vision, Vision Lakiani. Okay. okay, so what, what, what is the purpose of that? You know, I, he's, he's a visionary. So he had an idea. Hey, let's get some people um, who can train according to his first book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. So we were trained for 10 days through that material. And then some. We had other things that we all had to get right. trained in. And what was the thrust of that book and the training that you were supposed to get out of it? Well, it's to be unstoppable, you know, just to grow yourself. You know, one one thing that I think is a really interesting way to look at goal setting. So many of us looked at goal setting that old way, right? And right now it's escaping me what it's called, but it's pretty standard goal setting. And it's really look at where do you want What do you want to learn in your life? What do you want to learn? What do you want to experience? And what what do you dream of doing or being or accomplishing? So when you have those things, you can look at the skills. So let's say you want to become a masterful speaker on stage, right? And you're terrified of speaking on stage. So the first thing you have to do is manage your stress. You have to manage that stress response to speaking on stage, your anxiety. And that's like from the inside. You're working on the inside, becoming more confident, learning new skills about speaking. And there's so much to that. Learn learn about storytelling and using your body, your gestures, your facial expression, your nonverbal piece, your voice, all of it to get your message across clearly and, and enjoy yourself when you're doing it. That, that's one example. So how would you have the experience of what experiences do you need? Well, you probably need to mess up a few times. <laughs> you probably need to not do a great talk. You might need to forget what you're saying and then navigate that uncertainty when you're in front of other people where you can just say, oh, I just blanked out. Where was I? As if it was natural because that's being real, but that's also becoming more confident and your audience will view you as more of an authority. So that's an example. If someone wants to become a powerful dynamic speaker and get asked to do all these keynotes or to be on podcasts, they have to take those steps to mess up a few times and not be so dynamic, but be willing. I don't look at it as fail. It's not a failure. It's growing yourself, taking the actions to just do it. Okay, good. Now, um, 
based on that Mind Valley certification and your also conscious business coaching background, you put all that together, I imagine, and you wrote your book called uh, Ignite Your Life for Women. Well, that I want to I want to correct something. Please. I was a featured author in those two books, Ignite Your Life for Women and Ignite Your Life for Conscious Leaders. Those were not my books. I was um, asked to write a chapter of those books. Okay. So um, what, was, what were those books about and what was your contribution specifically? For, let's start with uh, for women, Ignite Your Life for Women. What was your contribution to that book? And what I'm was the my chapter? Uh, I think it was about my identity as a woman um, and stepping fully into being an entrepreneur. Okay. I think that's what the chapter was. I I shared a story about I was a journalism, marketing, literature major in undergrad, and my father, when he found out, said he wouldn't pay for college. Now, uh, what, keep in uh, mind, my dad was a very successful advertising exec, and I grew up in that industry. And my talent was writing and creating. But my dad, he goes, nah, nope. You need a real job. He didn't want me to struggle in anything creative. So he and my mother were like, well, do you want to go to med school? <laughs> How about law school? No. Was, so, this at, was this when you were at Wayne, Wayne State University? Yeah, I went to Wayne State University um, in the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up taking a lot of science classes. I don't know why, even organic chemistry. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was accepted into a program, which I said no to, and then ended up walking into this master's program because I had all the credits. And it seemed like, okay, communication, I could do it. Um, so, But what I learned about myself in hindsight was that I was an entrepreneur at heart. I never was trained even as a child. It wasn't my nature to even, I worked, of course I always had jobs, but I knew there was something greater for me out there. I wanted to contribute to others in a greater way than just working a job and not fully expressing myself. So that was what that, I was ignited when I had that realization that, oh, wow, I'm an entrepreneur. And all of these other jobs and careers I've had has led me to this place in my life. Okay. The second uh, one you contributed to is called Ignite Your Life for Conscious Leaders. What was the premise of that book and what was your contribution to that book in terms of the content? Well, I I think I said it earlier in our conversation. uh, When you step into leadership, People have a different definition of what leadership is. And when you become more conscious and aware that it's not only about you, it has nothing to do about you except how you show up for others. That's truly what leadership is. If you see someone stuck or there's a gap in their skills or where they are, how do you help them? So this is what you wrote in that book? So you find the gaps, you mine the gaps in them to help them grow. And it might not be a good fit and they may not be able to, 
but you'll give them a chance to. And if they grow to a place where they want to go off on their own, then you say, oh, that is so great. I will miss you. And I wish you the best of luck because you got to watch them grow because you were fostering it. It's more of a mentorship model as a leader. So those were uh, predicated on your uh, conscious business coach philosophy and your mind value training. Yes. Okay, great. And just over the years, I mean, I when I was working as a speech language pathologist, <laughs> I always got the client who were autism spectrum, um, social anxiety, ADHD, ADD. I always got more of the out-of-box kids and adults. I saw a lot of engineers from Silicon Valley (laughs) and people that didn't know how to relate and connect. So based on that experience and how I designed foundational goals for them to grow their skills so that they could have a functional friendship and a healthy relationship with others. Wonderful. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You're talking about uh, speech pathologists. Let's, let's get into that now. You have a master's degree in communication disorders and mm-hmm. sciences. Now, what exactly is communication disorders and sciences um, as a course? Not many people are aware of that. So can you tell us what that uh, the, sub- the subject matter uh, covers? Well, you know, when I was growing, you know, speech therapy, that's all I ever knew about. Right. right? And because I never had an issue with my S's or my R's or my L's, I had no idea what it was about. But it, it, it looks at not just articulation. It looks at the language component, how you are putting things into grammatical meaningful sentences so on so other people understand there's a pragmatic component as well like there's i think there's five areas so there's voice articulation language which includes grammar semantics vocabulary development all that pragmatics which is the social how are you in a group on a one-on-one and voice And of course, underneath all that is the neurological components of if you have a brain injury from a head trauma, a stroke, um, a neurogenic disorder such as Parkinson's or or multiple sclerosis or ALS or any of the other ones. Um, I get it. Yeah, Yeah, so you know. Yeah, so those are the communication disorders that you try to overcome. That's right. Okay. But I found in my, the professional experience that I had, I ended up specializing more in pragmatic, which is the social and emotional intelligence levels of people. Okay. And actually, that was my favorite. So okay, we'll, get, we'll get to that. I've taken it into everything I've done. Yeah, then. we'll get to that. Uh, before we get there. You, oh, you also, you became a speech, a speech language pathologist. Now, what, what is a speech language pathologist? I'm not familiar with that. So educate me on that. Well, everything I just spoke about, the areas of communication mm-hmm. disorders, mm-hmm. Um, speech language pathologists, we, we go through a very rigorous training program with a lot of clinical 
contact with adults and also children. We have internships. We have to take boards, written exams and oral exams. Uh, when we get that level, then we take another exam to get certified with the American Speech, Hearing and Language Association called ASHOP. Mm -hmm. And each state, you, you have to be licensed to practice in the state. And there's, you know, continuing education units and all that. Sure, so sure. I'm licensed in the state of California. Sure. And I'm sure California has high standards. It's, they usually do. So now, give me yeah. an example of what a speech language pathologist does. So people can have an idea of what, what, what you do. Well, um, because there's so many different specialty areas, if you're working in rehabilitation, which I have, you would be... In, the, in an acute care hospital being called in to ICU, or in some cases CCU, when the um, medical staff wants to know, are they stable or not? Can they eat food safely? So we would be doing the assessment with an occupational therapist to look at their swallowing. Um, we don't want anyone who has had a neurological insult to their brain um, swallowing food the wrong way which could add to inspiration um, aspiration pneumonia so um, that you know there's many different areas after a stroke that would be that level and I did that early on in my career and decided after I saw many young people in motorcycle accidents I just didn't want to do that anymore. Um, so then I, I was in a medical setting where I never knew what kind of client or patient I was going to be seeing on my desk in a chart that was referred to me. Um, but I settled on what, what I really, not settled, but I really liked working with kids. So I ended up specializing in the schools. Very nice. Um, kindergarten to uh, elementary school. And I also, I actually got a kick out of middle school kids. Okay. <laughs> because most of them go, I don't want to go to speech anymore. Yeah, that's a tough <laughs> and there age would be <laughs> educational meetings annually to assess the goals and progress. A lot of testing, a lot of standardized testing, creating reports, determining goals um, that you can work on developing with that child. Um, I always got really quirky kids. I got the kids who did not know how to be working with three or four other kids in a group project. I got a lot of those kids. <laughs> so I had to put them maybe, in a group. Maybe you're the best. What maybe am I the, teaching them? Yeah. Maybe you, you got them because you're the best. That's right. It's I mean, called go ahead. flexible thinking. That That's probably, and you could show up thinking, I have this plan for the group and throw it all out the window. So, because the kids are in a different place. So you, you have a lot of behavioral management, a lot of, I found myself being an advocate for children, um, really boosting their self-esteem and their confidence. And, and being a champion for them. I wasn't going to fix them. I tried to empower them. I tried to 
ignite, if you will, a switch in them where they just started not being such perfectionists. Am I going to do it wrong? And just, hey, try it out. If it works, great. If it's not, if you then adjust it, add something else to it. One, yeah, wonderful. That is great. Yeah. Middle school children are in a class all by themselves because yeah. they will let you know what they're thinking. <laughs> they don't yeah. have much of a social <laughs> cue sometimes. And, and, you know, working with kids, I think, was a, uh, it was fun for me because I'm a kid at heart and I'm playful. And uh, I now, in the work that I do in the world, I can be playful and out of the box and express myself in a way that's not so stern and, okay, I'm not just this way, that I am going to be lighter, but on purpose, so. You're not talking about me right now, are you? <laughs> Never. Okay, so let's, let's move on to- but you uh, did crack a smile, so that oh, was good. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> and we will be right back after this important message. you specialize in uh, emotional and, and social IQ, which I think are very important. Those yeah. are soft skills in uh, life and also in business, right. yet they are so important. So elucidate for me why you ended up specializing in emotional and social IQ and how that plays out in your model of uh, coaching in terms of the Joey Code. Yeah, uh, one of the components, I think, to... Being joyful is to surrounding yourself with people. And it could be one or two others. It could be a few more that really allow you to feel so at ease with just showing up as you, authentically as you, to relax. Um, it, it's just so meaningful when you have connections that bring out joy. Like when you look forward to, oh, I'm going to see this person or uh, even in a work environment, oh, I can't wait till I meet with this team. So it, it we are, as humans, we are designed to be social. We are not designed to be isolated. And that's why the last 18, 19 months have been really interesting to watch. I mean, you look at it from a developmental standpoint. Children, there's some children who never saw anyone without a mask who were developing during that time. Toddlers, babies. And then there's the rest of us. We get so much from the nonverbal information on someone's face that you can't see behind a mask. 
And a lot of people have been alone. They've been truly social, socially isolated. What's that impact long-term on us? What skills are people valuing more and missing more that they don't know how to find? And maybe people who have been, I don't know, on a workaholic tendency mode for much of their work life, it all changed. So where does the emotional IQ fit into all this? That's right. So where does the emotional IQ fit into the scheme of things you're talking about? Well, uh, the emotional is to really be sensitive and have compassion. Now, this is one thing I did get from my Mind Valley training that, well, I, I call it this. Vision, vision does not call it this. I call it the super trio of mindfulness, and that is compassion, gratitude, there's three levels of gratitude, and forgiveness. When you can access those pieces in yourself, try to understand why someone else is in a bad mood. That's emotional intelligence. But try to have compassion. Hmm, okay, they're not in a great mood today. I don't know what's going on. And I'll ask, but they may not want to share that with me because we don't have that kind of relationship yet. They don't trust me. So when you look at emotional intelligence is you cannot force establishing rapport with someone else. It's not like, hey, we're going to be best friends now and hang out. And wait a minute, I don't even know you. Do we have anything in common? Do we share values? That's part of the emotional intelligence. Um, and really your, your own awareness of empathy, compassion, gratitude, forgiveness. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you give them a free pass on whatever they did if they caused harm. It's just try to understand and neutralize it within yourself. The, the social intelligence is how do you connect with someone? How do you create a friendship? How do you create trust? Um, it's not your words. I can tell you right now. It's how you show up. It, it's kind of like there was a book a few, um, probably 20 years ago or so, The Four Agreements, which was a great book. It was simple things, but it was say what you mean, mean what you say. Honor your agreements. Those things are all about social and emotional intelligence combined. So I could look at you and I could see, oh, I think your, your back hurts, right? But just yeah. know that and, and just say, okay, are we done yet? You know, is oh. this the end of our time together? Oh, so no, I'm no, recognizing yeah. the cues, but I'm feeling it as well. So I'm open to it. I'm not saying, oh, he's getting bored with me. I don't go there. I'm just like, hey, maybe he is bored with me, but that's okay. We've been chatting for a while. So maybe our time is coming to a conclusion. I think the word bored is in <laughs> I'll rock in my chair too, okay? I have, I have a stiff neck right here. I know. That's part of the Sitting reason. in front of these screens. It has nothing to do with you at all, so... If I come across that way, please accept my apology. No, I'm not. I'm, um, I'm joking. You have an upcoming book called The Joy Code, Five yes. Ways to Elevate Your Life with Brain Science. Yes. 
give us some insight into uh, some of the points that you want to share with people. Okay. Um, the five ways are the five areas that you can look on to elevate joy in your life, which also it uses your brain science as well. This is all based on brain science. Um, the first thing is physical. So what is going on in your physical environment? Um, it could be anywhere from making a quick shift in the colors of the clothing you wear or the colors, you know, put your favorite color in your office space to see if when you see it, that like elicits a little bit of joy in you. Also your, your body, your foundation, um, exercise, fitness, what are you putting in your body? How are you treating your body? Are you snacking on the wrong foods? Are you um, not nourishing your body? So that physical foundation is a really important place to start to bring more joy. Um, and there, there's more. There's um, energetics. I have a, a I call these lenses. So we have the energetic joy lens, and that is how you know there's there's specific ways to turn on your own energy and that could be with new habits with scheduling are you chunking together times where you're working to be more efficient or are you do are you sitting in front of a screen for 6 hours but you're distracted and checking your email or your social media accounts so um, the energetics of joy, the physical joy lens, the emotional joy lens, which we've actually spoken a lot about in our conversation today, your emotions, your mindset, the intellectual joy lens, which is new learning and growing and experiences, okay. and the social joy lens, which we've spoken a bit about as well. So at the so, end of the book, when, when you finish reading it, the reader walks away with what kind of a state of mind would you want? Curious. Curious, okay. <laughs> Curious about what? Curious to see what area of your life you may want to elevate because you may not need all of these areas. Maybe your weak area is in... Um, your social relationships. Maybe you hang out with people that drain you emotionally. Maybe you, you dread going out with some people or hanging out with them or seeing them, or maybe you're alone and you want to have satisfying relationships. So that might be the area you pay the most attention to. Maybe it's your energy. By three o'clock, do you need a cup of coffee or a cup of tea? Are you falling asleep? Do you need a nap? Or do you have so much energy at the end of the day because everything that you decided to get done is done that you end up having more time in a day for you? And what do you do with that time? How do you spend your time? So it's really a, a curious journey to see where you can grow into a better version of yourself. What Wonderful. area? Wonderful. All right. So what's next for Kara Benson? What's next? Hmm. Well, the book and 
I have a digital course that's coming out and that is going to be, I don't have the time yet, but it, it is with a pretty big online learning platform that's asked me to create a course. And that the name of the course is called Out of the Box Joy for Entrepreneurs and Leaders. So if anyone of your listeners want to stay in touch with me, um, Please. that would be great. I'm on LinkedIn more than Facebook. So you can find me there, Carol Benson, MA on LinkedIn and my website as well. Okay, tell Carol us your Benson, website. Say that again. Say that again. Carol Benson, MA for masters, uh, com. Okay, so that's the best contact method of contact. Yeah, the best is actually LinkedIn. Send me a message on LinkedIn if for any of you who are on LinkedIn. Yeah, there, there are other Carol Bensons, so. There are. Yeah, so how do we find that? Link? That's why MA for masters. That so just Carol Benson, MA. Right. And LinkedIn. Yep. Okay, great. All and right. I'm the one with the crazy curly hair. I don't know about that, but with that, the Augustus Show's Friday podcast. Thank you for sharing your life with us. And we wish you continued health and tranquility. This is Augustus Show over and out.